You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I think the odds are going to smoke Vancouver tonight. Side of the net, rants an insanity. Front to Chushkin scores! I think the abs are going to blow him out of the uh, out of the water. And the cards, he's up a drive for the point. He scores. I hope I'm wrong on that, but I think they're going to beat them handily. Kale McCarr, in alone. He scores. I spoke English. I just told you. Anybody that knows anything about sports knows you don't poke the bear. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy American Thanksgiving, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Two minutes into it, hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today and visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. We got a big show ahead on a Thursday. There's a lot to get into. 6.30, our first guest is going to join the program. Sean McIndoe, better known as Down Goes Brown from The Athletic, is going to join us. So work with me here, listeners. He's developed this idea for a project where he tries to identify the most dysfunctional franchises in the history of hockey. That's going to be a long list. It's a two-part series. I read the first part yesterday. He goes back to like the early 1900s and then works all the way through to 1992. Book ends it with, I'm not even going to tell you who the last couple of teams were, but... Is there any Canucks content? Not in the first half. I presume maybe in the second half, although Mm. if the Canucks didn't make it in the 80s and 90s, who knows, really? (laughs) Anyway, Sean McIndoe is going to join us from The Athletic at 6.30. 7.30, first time guest on the program, uh, head football coach at UBC, Blake Nill is going to join us on the program. The T-Birds are off to the Vanier Cup this weekend. Played at Richardson Memorial Stadium in Kingston, Mm. Ontario. Kingston, Jamaica. Right. Yeah. I I hope they have better weather than for the soccer game. It is the best Vanier Cup ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I asked Laddie. I said, Laddie, you're from Ontario. Kingston, Richardson Memorial Stadium. Who plays there? Laddie said, I have no idea. It's Queens. And uh, Queens yesterday uh, we said, hey, dog, what's the Vanier Cup? And he said, golf. <laughs> At least you kept it with sports. I thought you were going to say something you drink out of. <laughs> it's a really big cup. It's a big Vanier-sized cup. Yeah. Anyway, Blake Nill's going to join us at 7.30 to talk about the T-Birds going to the Vanier Cup, which he won with UBC back in 2015. 8 o'clock, uh, it's the Drancer, Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver, will join us after Vancouver's blowout 5-2 loss. Are we going to give it to you? Blowout no, five two no, loss. No, 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 no. That's I'm no, proud of him for no, not taking it. Absolutely not. Like yeah. I, I did not. I, I th- that was not the game that I predicted. The last intro night. suggested no that chance. you did. I know. I uh, appreciate that, laddie, but uh, <laughs> that definitely was not what I was expecting. That was on par with them chopping up Homer and the gummy Venus de Milo. Where it's like this sounds different than the way he said it yesterday. Well, we were but. joking before the show though that the the team heard those comments and that's why they were so dejected going into the game. Yeah, they they were said, down. gentlemen, bad news. Bruff said we're going to lose. Mr. Bruff, your silence will only (laughs) incriminate you further. Uh, Okay, it's also American Thanksgiving. Three football games on the docket 
uh, including the Seahawks and 49ers tonight in the marquee matchup. So uh, working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it's the Drancer. 7.30, it's Blake Nill. 6.30, it's Down Goes Brown, better known as Sean McIndoe, better known as Down Goes Brown. Uh, That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. In the battle of Quinn Hughes versus Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr got the upper hand. A goal and an assist, extending his point streak to eight games in which he has a cool 18 points. Points are too high now. Uh, The Colorado Avalanche beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-2 at Ball Arena. On Wednesday night. Yeah, like we said before, I don't think the Canucks got dominated, but they still lost to Colorado, and I think Colorado ultimately deserved to win that game. Uh, It was an entertaining game. You might even say it was a good game, except for the refs. Mm. It was a weird game, too, with like, and part of that was just like, a lot of penalties and half the time I, when I, you know, it's kind of like, what are the refs supposed to do? Like not call the, like the penalties, but there were some ticky tack calls sure. and, it, and it felt like, um, you know, after the five minute major was assessed to Manson, it felt like the refs were like, let's even this up real quick. Classic NHL. And uh, Bovillier got a penalty and the Canucks uh, were, it, it was weird. And, and Ferraro was making this comment, uh, um, I think before or, or during and after the game, he was like, yeah, I've never seen a team um, get granted a five minute major and get no power play time out of it. Yeah, it, was, it was bizarre. It, it was that kind of uh, period. But uh, in the second period but you know like the Seattle it was tied 2-2 at the end of 40 minutes right there had been a lot of things that had happened during that game but at the end of the day 2-2 after 40 minutes um, especially in the Seattle game you wanted to get something because I think it's a lesser opponent and they are then the Canucks were at home but similar situation right the the Canucks had played with Colorado they they didn't. They weren't getting dominated. Um, they had some chances. The Avs had some chances, and it was JT Miller who just scored a brilliant goal, and it was two two. Mm-hmm. So you go into the third period, and you're at least hoping to get something. But like that Seattle game, they ended up with nothing. Um, you know, the third goal was. You could say it was a bit of a bad bounce, but the end of the day, Riley Tufty. What kind of name is that? Yeah, first of all, what kind of name is that? Riley Tufty. Well, he had a Tufty battle in front of the net with Ian Cole, and he won that battle, right? Cole wasn't Tufty enough. This show is Tufty to listen to sometimes. Sorry? This show is Tufty to listen to sometimes. (laughs) There you go. Play along. And and so the Avs went up 3-2. And then the Avs' fourth goal was JT Miller trying to make a play. He turned back against the play in the offensive zone, and uh, he turned back right into Kale McCarr. Tough guy to turn and back And Kale into. McCarr was able to strip JT Miller of the puck, and the Canucks defensemen were kind of caught flat-footed, both of them. Yeah. And uh, Kale McCarr is a rather speedy fella, and he took off on a breakaway, and he scored, and that was the game. Like, it, it was over. The Avs added an empty netter, but, but that was the game. So... Y- 
in 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 a couple of ways it was similar to the Seattle game and then that they went into that third period tied and you'd hope to get at least a few points but in other ways you it's not because the Avs are a better team than the Kraken and the Canucks were on the road and they were playing an Avs team that was upset with the way the third period went against Nashville so you can bet someone mentioned in the dressing room before that third period, we're like, hey, let's not screw it up like we did in the Nashville game. Let's go murder these guys right now. And the Canucks actually did a good job at the start of making it a cautious game in the opening, I don't know, eight, ten minutes. Like, there weren't a ton of chances being traded. I think Colorado wanted to jump on Vancouver, but the Canucks did a good job of keeping it mellow. After that, why is my phone going off? I don't know. Why is your even phone on? I don't know. I've never had my ringer on. I don't Mm. like that. Anyway. Professional broadcasters, folks. Yep. (laughs) Just doing our job over here. Um, There were a lot of takeaways from the game. I think the big one is, and this is what I keep coming back to, like right now, if they're going through it a little bit and things aren't going their way like they were at hashtag the start, that's okay Because those are the realities of an NHL season. Like, for example, some realities of an NHL season. One, and we're going to have to talk about this, injuries. They're now a problem. Yeah. They are a big problem because Susie's out long-term. Pius Suter is uh, labeled day-to-day, which means he's probably out until February. Um, You got Friedman going down last night with an injury. You got Myers going down last night with an injury. So there's one. That's a problem. Uh, Two... Power play isn't firing at like fifty percent anymore. They yeah, were just open. for the last few games. But they're open, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. What did they do the last few games? They've lost three or four. Yeah. Right. So you're over three last night. You don't get the full five minutes on the Manson major mm-hmm. because the NHL is stupid and they have to even everything up. <laughs> and now you're looking at your over. You're in an over eight slide. Okay. So the power play isn't going like, and that happens in a season, right? You just said it. You're like, wow, it's only been a couple games. Yeah. And it has. You, you don't. You don't go fifty percent every game on the power play. And then I think the other one that we should talk about is Petey, who's he's not on right now, be mm-hmm. it injuries or otherwise. He's not. Now, some will say, oh, oh, something's wrong. I tend to look at it as he wasn't going to score at 160-point pace throughout the year. He's going through a stretch right now. The snap out of it, mm-hmm. or is he banged up? And is this going to be a thing that's going to extend beyond? Really, it's, I'd say it's the last seven games. Like He hasn't been wow. great. The last, he's got one goal in his last seven. He's pointless in his last two. And then if you care about plus minus, he's minus 11 or minus four in his last 11 games. Well, another thing to maybe point out is that the line combinations that were, I guess, fairly consistent while the Canucks were going well have all of a sudden been shaken up either by injury or by Rick Tockett, right? Like Beauvillier has been getting some time with... Miller and Besser and you know how much time do we spend in training camp and preseason and regular season talking about you know the great story of Phil DiGiuseppe it's still a great story but you know either Rick Tockett wants to get Beauvillier going or maybe he's not seeing enough from Phil DiGiuseppe Mm -hmm. they've been switched around Uh, because of the injury to Pew Suter You've got that, that I really like that line, right? When yeah. you had Pew Suter with Joshua and Garland, and, and Joshua is still playing well, and I think Garland is still playing reasonably well, but Teddy Bluger is a different type of player than Pew Suter, right? Um, and then I'm starting to wonder what Rick Tockett might do about the top line because PD isn't going, 
and maybe there's nothing you can do about that. I don't know if he's fighting something. You know, it's maybe maybe it's the same story with that we talk about with Connor McDavid. You're kind of watching him play. You're like, yeah, you still see the quality of the player, mm-hmm. but there's something slightly missing there, yeah. right? And I and maybe there maybe Petey's battling something. Who knows? Hopefully not. And if he is, hopefully it's not there uh, for long. But right now, I'm not seeing enough from Kuzmenko. Yep. That's so fair. that's a problem. Right, he's he's a guy that scored 39 goals for them last season. Uh, signed a, a fairly high co- cap hit uh, contract, not a long term contract, but it's taking up a lot of cap space right now. And I don't think he's doing his job. Yeah, I'll say this: it, it, what you're talking about. It, then we have that age old debate, right? It's like, do you switch things up? When things aren't rolling, or do you say, you know what, we got to let these guys work through it because that's going to be our top line. And I go back and forth on that all the time. I'm actually going to read this text here into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I'd love to get your thoughts, as always, into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. The bottom six has been actually pretty good. It's the top six now that's not playing great. This team needs a PDG replacement. Well, they got him. And, well, well n- not really, but I heard uh, Sat and, uh, Riccio, who, and Riccio, Riccio, Riccio. Uh, on the post game talking about, you know, a guy like Travis Konechny. And I'm like, yeah, any team would like to add a Travis Konechny if, if he's available. Um, but I agree with your comment, especially about the bottom six. Like, Sam Lafferty's work rate has created two goals in the last two games. Hoaglander's been really good. Like, yeah, and, and Hoaglander. Yep. Yeah. Like, you and, 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 and you win battles along the wall, like, even if it doesn't look pretty, and sometimes you're going to get some really good chances. And then you bring the puck out. <laughs> you know, the net's right there. And they, and they found that a, a few times. And that's good. Like, the bottom six has been such a problem in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. For so long, and it's much you know, now. even when the even when the Canucks are uh, even, you know, like even when the Canucks have been optimistic about some of the players that they've got in the top six, the bottom six has always let them down. And right now, I, I agree with this text. Like my concerns are more when you're talking about the forwards in the top six. Yeah. Now, so look at what we've got right now. Is the Canucks have hit officially American Thanksgiving, the first big major benchmark of the NHL season. Everyone knows what it signifies. Everyone knows what it means. It means you've honed in on a quarter of your season played. The Canucks are at 20 games played. They're 13, 6, and 1. They have 27 points. They're second in the Pacific Division. The most important thing right now is they are nine points clear of Anaheim, and that would put them in the final wild card spot. In the Western Conference right now, at 13-6-1, they are in significantly better shape than the gross 7-10-3 record they had a year ago at this time, which was on its way to having Bruce Boudreaux dismissed as head coach. Okay, uh, I want to mention a few other stories in the NHL in the What Happened uh, section, but uh, in the 7 o'clock hour, after we talk with uh, Down Goes Brown, um, we will go into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and here's your homework. The Canucks after 20 games, like Halford just said, they're 13-6-1. Yes, they've lost three of their last four, but they're 13-6-1. Big picture, they're a quarter of the way through the season. They're comfortably in a playoff spot compared to the 7-10-3 that they were last year. So we want to ask you, what do we like most about this team? That can be anything. 
but try and pick one thing that you like most about this team. And then the second part of the question is the house negativity part. What could still trip them up? Mm-hmm. We'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, later on in the show. And uh, we've obviously got a few ideas of our own, but we'll go into the text inbox to read uh, some of your ideas as well. Yep. Um, if you're feeling bad about the Canucks losing last night, at least you're not an Oilers fan. And if you are, sorry. The Oilers lost again, and I was sure to start watching this game right as soon as it started. Good. (laughs) Because I was like, I'm spending some time on the couch tonight. And the Oilers were down 4-0 in the first period to the Carolina Hurricanes. And let me tell you, I don't know how many listeners listen or watch this game. Uh, Some of them probably still at work doing real jobs. But God bless the Oilers broadcast crew. Of it was Jack Michaels and Jamal Mayers uh, who basically sold the Oilers' comeback the entire game. Yeah. Like it was gonna happen. Like maybe it was gonna happen here. Maybe it was gonna happen here. And I'm like, are you guys in denial? Yeah. Like, think- like what is going on? There was. I, I, I felt like I was kind of like. I mean, maybe it's just the Vancouver market where I'm just like used to, you know, people actually being honest sometimes about the team, like and how it's struggling. They were down four nothing, yeah. And then the fifth goal that Carolina scored, every single Oiler was just standing around. Mm-hmm. They're just looking. They're just looking at the play. And yeah, they had a bit of a comeback. Of course they did. Carolina was winning by four goals. They weren't really interested anymore. To give you an idea of how bad yesterday was, it was it was. Putrid. They yeah. buried themselves. It might have been the worst game uh, under Chris, don't call me Chuck Knobloch, which is saying something because now he's lost three in a row. The Hurricanes scored four goals in five minutes and 31 seconds in the first period. So unless you were the most optimistic Oilers fan not working on the broadcast, you would have said, okay, we're we're toast here. Uh, Edmonton, a season low, 23 shots in a game where they were trailing right away. So score effects would have said, you should have a lot of shots because you're chasing a four-goal deficit early. McDavid... Uh, had one shot on goal and one was minus three, and Dreisaitl was minus four. They're, but the crazy part is, the craziest part of all of this is that they keep saying the same things. Like, the guys covering the team are like, well, what do you got to do to turn it around? And the players say the exact same things. For example, uh, we've got audio of Evander Kane yesterday, and they all, every guy that speaks, be it Dreisaitl or McDavid or Kane, they seem to be the big three when it comes to talking about this team. It's almost like they've got this understated, seething angst that doesn't really bubble enough to the surface, and they're all just kind of about the entire thing. So here's Evander Kane in the aftermath of yet another loss, a 6-3 loss for the Oilers in Carolina, in which they gave up four goals in five minutes and 31 seconds in the first period. Evander, that's a really good hockey team on the other side. Can you talk about how difficult it is to maybe come back from such a slow start? Well, I mean, yeah, we had a terrible start. So um, anytime you give any team, whether they're good or not very good, 4 nothing lead, it's tough to come back from. What attributed to the slow start, you think? Uh, no energy. They were faster. Uh, they kept it simple. Uh, we couldn't handle that pressure. Um, you know, we didn't... Didn't handle the pressure well at all, and they capitalized on our opportunities. Probably going to sit on this one for a few minutes. How does a team as a collective move on from an effort like this? Good question. Good question. Um, I think we just have to 
focus on the next game. It's been redundant. It's been, uh, you know, the same kind of message after a lot of games this season, too many games this season. So move on, get ready for the next one. Do you know how many games I've watched of the Oilers this season when they went into the third period chasing a game? Uh And, Uh (laughs) and, you know, like, obviously they're going to carry the play because they're not. I mean, they've got talent, right? Uh But the problem is, is they keep burying themselves in games. And then they're they're in this tough position where they're chasing, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is the way you have to play in the third period." I'm like, "Yeah, have you heard of score effects? Yeah, right. I, like they couldn't, and and you're right, they couldn't get pucks to the net. Like as much as they had uh, possession of the puck, like they weren't getting great scoring chances. Yeah, I they th- that team right now. Um, honestly, I, I hate saying this because I know that there's pressure and I know that but it doesn't feel like anyone has held their feet to the fire. And by that, I mean anyone within the organization or anyone with outside the organization. Like it feels like everyone asks the cursory expected questions. What do you guys need to do to turn this thing around, Connor? And then he replies, well, we got to take it one game at a time and just get ready for the next one. At some point, someone has to say, are you actually getting ready for any of these? Yeah. Are you doing anything fundamentally different than what you've done every single game this year? They are so similar to the Canucks last year. Like what? Like I understand that there's been changes, but think about who's taken the brunt for this season. Who's taken the fall. It's Jack Campbell and Jay Woodcroft. Those are the only guys that have had to really suffer any consequences for this awful start to the season. Um, there's a bunch of um, texts into the inbox, and I know there's a lot of arguing in Edmonton. Like, if we just had a goalie, it would be okay. And do you remember last year, the start of last season, there were people who were like, if Demko was Demko, the Canucks would be fine. Sure. And I sat there and said, that is the most ridiculous comment I've ever seen because is he playing well? No, he's not playing well, but the Canucks are playing even worse in front of him. Like, Matthias Ekholm, on one of the Carolina goals, carries the puck into uh, the Carolina zone and makes a drop pass. Matthias Ekholm, he's a defenseman. What are you, dropping the, p- the puck back? And, of course, it goes back the other way on, uh, on Odd Man Rush, and it's in the back of the net. Yeah. He's just like, not, and, and, and what I'm saying, but, like, I don't really care to break down, like, all the Oilers' problems. No, no, do Right? It. But, like, it's so similar to the Canucks last season in that they had two major problems, and they both fed on each other, right? You had a, a goalie that wasn't feeling it, and then you had a team that had no idea what it was doing in front of that goalie. And that is like an, when you combine those things, it's not like a, a, a sum of them. It's a multiplication of them because then the team starts chasing more. Like they, they, they become even more confused in their own zone and the goalie loses even more of his confidence. Yeah. So last night wasn't a great night for the province of Alberta in general because the Calgary Flames also lost last night. Uh, 4-2 in Nashville. So what yet again... Um, another really tough night for the Pacific Division. We saw a bunch of teams lose. But in terms of those Alberta teams, Calgary's made a little bit of traction. Like, if you want to look at their last stretch, you could say, well, prior to last night, they were 3 or one in their last four, which is okay. But all told now, they've lost four of their last seven. So they're making incremental gains to getting back into that playoff spot, whereas the Oilers are just blowing it entirely. Um, the Canucks' next opponent the Seattle Kraken. I don't know if you can consider it a breakout game because it came against the San Jose Sharks, but they won 7-1 last night at Lemon Pledge, also known as Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, That's a big result for them, if only because it's their first real emphatic blowout win of the year. 
I we do need more lemon pledge. I do want to go to break. David Quinn finally lost it last night. Yeah. He finally just was like, we are terrible <laughs> at hockey. Like, he tried to keep a brave face, and he tried to be positive, but last Did night... he start to cry? He may as well have. I'm going to play about 30 <laughs> seconds of audio from David Quinn's post-game presser. Now, you got to keep in mind, this is a... This is a team that's already lost twice this year by surrendering 10 goals. So they've had more embarrassing losses, but this 7-1 to loss in Seattle last night, apparently it was too much, too much for David Quinn. Here's what he had to say uh, off the cuff following a 7-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken last night. Embarrassing. We weren't ready to play. Two breakaways in the first minute and a half. I mean, just absolutely freaking embarrassing. I mean, we lost every single battle, got beat off walls. Every time there was a 50-50 puck battle, we're fishing for pucks, get on the wrong side of it. One guy would get beat one-on-one, and the other guy would dive in. It was embarrassing. Can you say any reason as to why, I guess, you guys started off this way again? Well, Shang, if I knew that answer, then I wouldn't have, uh, we would have started off better. So I'll find it out. But, you know, our game's been trending, trending in the right direction, and this was just brutal. I hope his uh, Rhode Island accent, as the season progresses, gets more pronounced. And by the end of it, he's just Peter Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this team guy. Come on. This freaking team, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I the morbid curiosity to watch them play now is at an all-time high because they could truly be one of the worst teams in the salary cap era, for sure. I don't know how far back we want to go. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. And what we just have to call Thomas Drant's erotica. Thomas Drant's erotica. Of course. Thomas Drant's Expected goals. Thomas Grant's erotica. Dog model. Thomas Grant's erotica. 801 on a Thursday. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, quick. I, I made a mistake. Which isn't anything new on this show. God, yesterday I had like 10 of them. Um, in my otherwise perfect retelling of the 1989 Sam Weish, you don't live in Cleveland comment. I always thought that that game was being played between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, but it wasn't. It was the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought that that was the genesis of why he said Cleveland. Sam Weish was talking behind Cleveland's back. I, I just always thought that was the way, but it wasn't. Uh, and by the way. But that was when like Cleveland had. No, like, no, no. You know, I like get it. The dog pound at so, their old stadium. And it was like legit dog pound. And they throw right. batteries on the field. Like, and, so the inspiration for doing it is even more impressive because Weish. Battery throwing back then. Why, <laughs> why with the batteries? How did you get them into the game? Um, Weish said. I had no idea what I was going to say when I took the mic. Right. And then I said it and I just kind of blurted it out mm-hmm. because of the rivalry. And they said he always regretted it afterwards. 
Because he was known as that guy, right? I mean, Popovich won't be known as that guy, so I guess it's a little uh, apples and oranges. But anyway, uh, Drance is waiting patiently on hold, so let's get to the business here. Halford and Brown for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canada. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. Let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drance joins us now on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Well, I'm coming to you guys live from the mobile Kintech studio at the finest Everett strip mall that I could find to conveniently stop on my way down to Seattle. Happy American Thanksgiving to you and to all of our listeners south of the border. Um, okay, yeah. I, so you you already made it through the border, which is good. Was it busy today? Because I think there's going to be a lot of oh, a lot of traffic. I was there at like five thirty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure it will be busy, but uh, but I made sure to avoid it. I, I have no patience, boys. Yeah. No patience. Fair enough. So I, I woke up early. Uh, quick thoughts on last night's game for the Vancouver Canucks: a five-two loss in Colorado to the Avalanche. I didn't think they played very well. To be totally honest with you, I mean. They were in the game, but I felt like the weird second period, the chaotic second period, sort of served to under uh, hide. Let me put it that way: put served to hide just how much better the Avalanche were throughout the game at five on five. Uh, in the third period, anyway, like the Canucks were able to put the Avalanche under some duress in terms of at least generating zone time and, and putting in some good work, and, and you like the effort. I think you saw from the Canucks last night, but. How often did you feel like Georgiev bailed the Avs out? Like, yeah. I, I just don't think they generated very many scoring chances. And, and at the end of the game, when you sort of look at it and think about it and are like, wow, the Avalanche outshot and outchanced the Canucks um, in the third period, even though they trailed throughout, um, you know, that's a pretty well-measured, like controlled, you know, I, I don't think the Avs dominated, but they like – pretty tidily swept the Canucks aside. I think it's funny because I think we're all still trying to calibrate like what our expectations for the Canucks should be. Because mm. like for me, I actually disagree a little bit with you, but maybe it's based on like expectations for the game. I thought that the Canucks hadn't been playing all that well for the last five games, and I thought they were going to go into Colorado, and Colorado was going to be really upset about how the that Nashville game ended, and I thought they were going to come out firing, and I thought the Canucks were going to get dominated, and that didn't happen, and the game was tied at two after 40, and um, it didn't go the Canucks' way in the third, but I thought the Canucks played pretty well given the situation but maybe our expectations for the team like are we are we all still trying to calibrate what we expect from the Canucks when they go into a place like Colorado and play a team like the Avs well I think so except I think it's it's maybe a little more pernicious than that I think people are just having fun they want to continue having fun and so they're trying to have it both ways right so out of one corner of their mouth, they'll be like, how could you have criticized the Miller contract? Look how well he's playing. Or, man, you'd give up every pick in the book for Heronic and Sam Lafferty. Um, you know, look at this team. They're the best in the Pacific. They're going to challenge Vegas for the Pacific Division crown. And then they go into Colorado, get pretty soundly outplayed. And people's take is like, well, what a, what a good effort against a great team. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, they were pretty, pretty cleanly outclassed. I, th- I think we're just trying to have fun. And, and trying to have it both ways a little bit. Um, you know, the fact is, 
for me anyway, you know, I, I was like my even my head was turned despite the PDO bender that the club was on in the first 11, 12 games of the season. I, I thought this team had a lot of outs. I thought they had a high enough baseline five on five that, that it would matter that like on one game, the power play is going to win it on another game. Demko is going to win it on another game. Pedersen, Hughes, JT Miller, you know, one of them is going to step up and do something so spectacular that this team is going to win an awful lot of games, but the bottom's kind of falling out of that baseline, like five on five, this team's especially at the top of the lineup, uh, really struggling to control play. You know, they're the bottom six right now, at, at least at even strength, is like their best territorial driver. Yeah. And I mean, that's good. That's like a credit to the likes of Connor Garland and Lafferty, Bobillier, Hoaglander and company. Um, but, you know, if, if the majority of your chances are being generated by like Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland, that's a tough way to live, right? Like that's, you, you can't get outshot and out attempted consistently with your best centerman on the ice five on five. And if that continues, you know, this Canucks start might be softer than we'd like, right? Like, I, I think we've seen it over the course of the last eight games, right? Like, the, the last eight games that this team has played, they have eight points. So that's a 500-point percentage. You know, their their PDO has regressed. They've come back to earth in those games. They're, you know, well below 100. And they've been outscored five on five. And, and in those games, you know, it's an uh, overtime win over the Islanders. It, it's a win over the Senators, even though they were outplayed. And then they beat the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks, two teams that I strongly expect to finish in the bottom five of the league standings. And when they've come up against, you know, teams with playoff aspirations, meaningful teams, you know, they've lost. Now, I I don't know that that's their level. I I expect this team to be better just off the back of their star players, the power play, their goaltending, and, and frankly, a bottom six that seems able to control play more nights than not. Like those are real, the real strengths of the team, but you know, they've been at a level where I don't think you can say the results they've had here of late, um, you know, have been like unfortunate or, or that it hasn't reflected their level. Uh, they're going to need to get back to controlling play five on five. Uh, if they're going to deserve better going forward and if they're going to maintain the sort of mid nineties point pace they need to, you know, be a hundred point team and like a, a safe top three team in the Pacific. Uh, I mean, just think about Friday, right? If, if you lose in regulation as Seattle on Friday, all of a sudden you're only four points clear of the Kraken. Yeah. Right. Like all of a sudden this Pacific division picture that felt sewed up two weeks ago uh, is going to feel very much more wide open than we would have thought it would, you know, by, by American Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, it's hard to gain a lot of points if you start as, Canucks have in recent years or as the Oilers have this year but you know uh, it's it's also it's also pretty easy to lose ground to other good teams um if if you start to sputter or if you start to play in a lengthy stretch at a at a point per game clip as opposed to you know a 550 points percentage clip Drancer what are you seeing from Elias Pettersson right now oh man I mean he doesn't look right he's not taking draws He's not shooting as much. All of that points strongly to him battling an ailment. Rick Tockett's discussed it. We've seen him get practices off, right? Take maintenance days. So, you know, I, I don't think we're seeing 100% uh, Elias Pettersson. I think we've seen that sort of performance drop off even further. 
as the last 10 games have progressed, right? Like I'd say his first 10 games were scintillating. The five after that were maybe a step back, and then the last five have been, you know, even worse than that. And, and you know, last night was a real struggle for him, maybe one of his worst games of the year. Um, you know, by, by like most of the underlying metrics, like, and, and by most of the all-in models, right? Like if you go check goals above replacement at evolving hockey or, or Dom's net rating model, you know, Pedersen's been on balance, one of the most valuable single forwards in the NHL all season. But, um, you know, if this persists, like that's going to be a really tough gap for this team to fill. Uh, if he doesn't sort of get right, and I don't think he's right right now, uh, is there any lineup juggling that Rick Tockett can do beyond what he's already doing? Oh man, I mean, we see him increasingly go to the lotto line. Like one thing we've seen him do a lot of late is in leverage, including last night when they were chasing the game. We've seen Tockett go to a, a loaded top line with Miller, Pedersen, um, and Brock Besser on it. I mean, I think that's uh, an approach that solves sort of two issues for this team. The, the first being that, you know, I, I don't think you can expect a ton of offense more than you've already got from Phil DiGiuseppe, right? And and also, you know, Kuzmenko um, hasn't been, I think, at his best as a two-way player or as a goal scorer, frankly. Um, or point producer, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then Ilya Mikheyev, you know, is is a, I think he's played really well. His two way form's been great, but he just can't finish. That's the thing, right? Like he can't. There, finish. Are, there are offensive limitations, yeah. And, yeah. and we're and we're seeing them. Yeah. So you know, I think the when you go to the lotto line, I, I mean, I think it solves the problems that both of Vancouver's top six lines have to some extent, but obviously it blows a hole in the middle of your forward ranks. One thing I'd sort of wonder about is. You know, maybe the Canucks can't construct a really good second line if you load up your top line, but can you construct three pretty good third lines from from what Vancouver has in terms of their forward depth elsewhere? I'd suggest you kind of can. Like, you, you kind of can, and, and especially when Pew Suter gets back, uh, and that's sort of the rub in this, is I, I don't know how you fundamentally move Miller to wing until like full time until Pew Suter's back, but um, you know, especially if Pedersen's struggling on draws, loading up the lotto line could help there. And and once once Suter's back in the lineup, you know, can you roll Suter, Bluger, Lafferty down the middle uh, and cobble together something interesting? Second line that has maybe Mikheyev and um, Kuzmenko or Mikheyev and Garland flanking Suter. Uh, I'll be curious to see if that's sort of something they consider here. But, yeah, no easy answers right now. I, I just think it's, you know, going to be on the top of Vancouver's lineup to get back to controlling play at, you know, at least the break-even level that they were at in the early part of the season. You know, this game, you're right, Drancer, this game Friday against Seattle, it's a big game. Um, as yeah, as big is. as games can get when, you know, it's the 21st game of the of an 82-game <laughs> season. But it is a big game um, for numerous reasons, including the standings. But I also think just the confidence of the team. Um, what do you think the back end is going to look like? Uh, Mark Friedman did not return to the game yeah. yesterday, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
I mean, if he's got a concussion or something like that, he didn't he didn't look yeah. great. Um, Tyler Myers no, seems like he's blocked an, a number of shots over the last few games that have hurt. Um, so that's a couple well, defensemen. And he's still got lower body tape all over from that shift where he got hurt in Montreal, right? Like, I mean, right. Myers has been taking a lot of um, – Myers plays tough minutes, man. <laughs> Nothing yeah. else to it. Myers plays tough minutes. The fact that he's as durable as he is, you know, mm-hmm. is actually pretty impressive. Um, shows a lot of care in terms of how he takes care of himself because there have been a lot of shots, you're right, but there's all, there have also been some awkward collisions, a lot of physical play, um, you know. The, uh, yeah, he gets yeah. tangled up. He gets tangled up in awkward plays quite often, and that's maybe that's the style. And it's also he's he's tall, um, you know, long limbs, yep. awkwardness. Anyway, uh, Carson <laughs> Soucy is also out uh, long yeah. term. Uh, what I'm getting at here is, do you think management might be nudged towards making a move soon? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure they're trying. Um, I know it's not easy, so yeah. Look, it's it's an interesting one. Um, you know, on the one hand, you know, you'd rather the team be in the form they were in the first 12 games of the season, right? If you're going to spend more assets to sort of bolster your depth. But on the other hand, if you want to maintain your gains to some extent, maybe that's where the urgency should come from, right? You don't want to waste this starter or not, not waste it, but have it slip away, right? Have, have teams like Seattle, which were firmly in the chase pack a week ago, sort of begin to run you down. Um, yeah, I mean, look, defensive reinforcements would help. Like Christian Willannon, right? I don't know what Christian Willannon's status, but I joked on Canucks Talk yesterday that, like, the Pucci rule should apply to Christian Willannon <laughs> in, in absolutely every single Rick Tockett scrum right now. Like, yeah. every time um, we don't see Christian Willannon, we should be asking where's Christian Willannon. Um, but that, that's, really, that's really where the Canucks are at. Like, they, you know, I, I, like, I'm watching these games, and I'm thinking, man, you know, a Willan and Myers pair would sure help stabilize things for Vancouver on the bottom pair. Um, yeah, look, they're going to be tested. It, it might be Hirose time, but I certainly do think that if you were able to get Willan and up, that would be very, very helpful uh, for where, for what this team needs. You know, even just short term with a, a back-to-back that's tougher in reality than it looks on paper against the Seattle Kraken and the San Jose Sharks this weekend. Hey, Jarenter, I, I know you you mostly cover the Canucks, but I do want to get your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers because what yeah, is happening to I'm, them is just well, I'm stunned. incredible. Yeah, I'm stunned too. I'm stunned. I'm, I mean, I will say this. like The Florida Panthers might be the best team in the Atlantic. I know the Boston Bruins have jumped off to this outrageous start, but that the Panthers have kept their head above water to this extent without Montour or Ekblad in the lineup with Oliver Ekman Larson as their number one defenseman. I mean, you know, they, they, they don't have Barkov in the lineup. Doesn't matter. Like Montour's back, doing, right? Is Montour and yeah, Ekblad thought, both came back this weekend. Right. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, think about, think about the quality of talent on some of the like aspirants in the Atlantic, like Detroit, Buffalo, and um, Ottawa, right? Like there's, there's real talent. Like those teams are not, feckless you know those teams can do damage and yet you know the panthers with all of these absences have like firmly held them at bay right like they have a lead and now they're getting back to full strength 
and that, that that team has a chance to be a wagon down the stretch and into the playoffs, much like we saw last spring. Um, you know, and then you bump into Carolina, and I know Carolina's record's not great, but if you go look at the percentages, right, like the bounces that have sort of afflicted Carolina, um, they've still been able to pick up, like, a lot of points, right? Like, they've still been successful, and that's sort of the profile of a team that, you know, the bounces will go their way for two weeks, and you'll be like, oh, right, they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 and are now – you know, challenging the Rangers for the top spot in the Metro. Like, that's that's a really tough – those are tough opponents to bump into when you're down bad. And I kind of just wonder if that's what's happened here. I still think the Oilers are playing and controlling games. Um, we're seeing a lot of mental mistakes, but so much of that, too, is when a mistake ends up in the back of your net and then when a mistake ends up in the back of your net every time you make a mistake – um, you know, it all feels awful, right? It all feels really bad. And then, and then when you're having a losing season, and, and we've covered a lot of these, right? It becomes its own filling, yeah. you know, doom cycle where it's like the pressure mounts and no one's happy and confidence gets low. And then it's hard to get the break, even when you win three in a row, as they did sort of last week. Um, I still think this team's formidable. I think McDavid being being compromised to whatever extent he is 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 definitely hurting them. Uh, just like just like you know, right now with Pedersen in Vancouver, right? We know that Pedersen's not throwing his fastball at 102 miles per hour. But since it's been such a snow day for two months, it's like, well, you hope that he can get back. But the Canucks have also spotted themselves a lot of margin for error. And it doesn't feel dire. It feels like an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Whereas for the Oilers with McDavid in in very similar circumstances, it's like they need this guy to take over and win games and not just like a few of them, but like, you know, nine of their next 10, (laughs) 10 of their next 11. If they're so look until the Oilers, given the quality of their talent, get to a point where it's like the Oilers have to play at 110 point pace to get to 92 points this year. Like until we're there, and we're still probably a week away. I'm not crossing them off. But I'm sharpening my pencil, yeah. right? Like, it's late. It's late for them. They're, they have to basically play at last season's point pace just to sneak into the playoffs now. It's a tall order, and there are very few signs of life. I will say, though, this this latest two-game losing streak, I do wonder if, if partly that's a product of just, hey, you bumped into two of the top six teams in the league at the worst possible time for you. So uh, it hasn't changed my opinion. It's just sort of amplified the climb that they're, you know, it's a daunting one. I don't know, man. Go watch Carolina's fifth goal from last night. No, I know. I mean, the. I I don't know. We'll we'll see. and, and And their new coach bump lasted like way too short. Yeah. You need a long should've, should've, new coach bump. I, I mean, I mean, look if they if they need Bruce Boudreaux's number, just like text me. Yeah, just as a consultant, <laughs> even. Trancer, thanks, buddy. Enjoy Seattle. Anytime, boys. Be well. Bye. Uh, Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know. <clears throat> With regards to the Canucks playoff positioning, I, I get what Drance is saying. Like, you have a couple bad days, and all of a sudden, that once the uh, cushy gap that you had between yourselves and the non playoff teams goes away. I keep looking at it as how many of these teams, specifically in the Pacific Division, but really, there's a lot of bad Western Conference teams right now. There are. Yeah. 
That's you know? a good point. Yep. Like Seattle is in. The Canucks are going to play some of them coming up. Seattle is look. Seattle's in a playoff spot only because they played so many games. Mm. They don't have a good. They're eight, eight and five. So they're NHL five hundred, but they've actually lost thirteen of twenty one games this year. But this is a big game coming up against Seattle, right? You need to. But here is the thing: if it doesn't go well against Seattle, there is going to be alarm bells going off in Vancouver for sure because it's going to be uh, you've lost four or five. Mm-hmm. But after that, you get games against two crappy teams in San Jose and Anaheim. And I know you're going to say, Halford, wait a minute. San- Anaheim's not crappy. Anaheim has definitely returned to form. They've gotten back to what we expect them to be. They- they've lost four straight. They've fallen out of that playoffs. They got a minus goal differential. They kind of are what we thought they were going to be. These next five games are actually all going to be interesting because Seattle, we've already talked about that. Yep. Big game. You want to stop any momentum that Seattle's got. Uh, then San Jose, and say what you will about the Sharks, they're bad, but the Canucks will be playing on the second of a back-to-back. Games this year. They right? sure have. They played harder <laughs> against the Canucks the last game. Uh, Their coach just ripped them for being terrible and not trying very well, hard. Whatever. So uh, Tuesday, uh, they return home to play Anaheim. I'm actually just curious to see what the Ducks are all about. Uh, Thursday is the Stanley Cup champs, the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Saturday, this is kind of a game like Seattle in that it's on the road this one's in Calgary yeah, back against Calgary a team again. like you don't want Calgary to get any momentum either. And Calgary are playing slightly better. Yep. I know they lost last night in Nashville, but there have been the odd signs of life in Calgary. Well, one of those signs of life was kind of beating up on the Canucks not too long ago. It was while you were on vacation, was it not? That that 5-2 loss in Calgary where they, they were tired. Remember yeah. we chalked that one up? They're like, it's a DeSmith game. Yeah. He's tired. Everyone's tired. Everyone's just, tired. Yeah, it was a scheduled loss in Calgary, but it was still a 5-2 win for the Flames, and that kind of got them on a little bit of a roll where they went 3-0-1 in four. But again, you look at Calgary, you could go the other way with it. Well, they've lost four of their last seven. You know, they've kind of they've mixed in a, a loser point every now and again, but the reality is, of the two Alberta teams, they're the more dangerous right now, and they're not even that good, Calgary. They're really yeah. not good. They're not. No, great, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not good. But none of these. Te- I mean, again, outside of Vegas, like see, I know Seattle is coming off a big win against the Sharks, and I know that they just beat the Canucks. But Seattle, he doesn't mean important. He just means it was it was a big score. But Seattle, by its record, is not a good hockey team right now. It's neither is San Jose, and neither is Anaheim. They've all got they've all got more losses than wins. So those are games that you look at, and you're like, okay, if we are going. To be a good team in the NHL this year and a playoff caliber team, you have to keep the losing streaks short. Mm-hmm. Again, you, where you really go into the tank is when you lose five, six, seven in a row. Yeah, that's where you and because that's where the negativity creeps in from idiots like us. But it's where and also from you know math. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.